Uber was stressful mm-hmm. in that there's a lot of, you know, AAA players who expect a lot from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you definitely wanted to bring your A game to every meeting and every conversation every day. Um, you know, the, the speed at which you're going, the paranoia about competition, the, 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 the drinking the Kool-Aid and, and really wanting to make a difference mm-hmm. and frankly trying to keep up with the performance <laughs> reviews, yeah. uh, which were really, you know, brutal. They were, you know, the, the, the bar was very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was all stressful and the work was stressful and I was in a particularly politically charged area of the company, the kind of work we were doing, a lot of stakeholders had a lot of points of view on it and I, I had a very strong point of view on it. So there was a lot of very stressful and, um, debates and discussions and meetings and things. So yeah, that was all, you know, stress. I, I think I really actually appreciated, um, the CEO, Travis's perspective on it. People would always ask about the red line. They would always ask about stress uh, and how to make sure that you don't burn out. And his answer, I really appreciated. I don't think a lot of people understood it very well and some people didn't implement it very well. But his answer was a very entrepreneurial answer, which is, you know, he thinks of himself as like a math professor. If a math professor had no math problems, then the math professor would be pretty bored. Mm. And so as startup operators and, and entrepreneurs, if we didn't have startup problems, we would be pretty bored, mm-hmm. right? So it's like our job is to check out, you know, figure out what the most important problems of the day are and, and tackle them. Mm-hmm. And it's your perspective that decides to make those things stressful or just make them part of the day. Mm-hmm. Hi, my name is Stuart Alsop, and this is my podcast, Crazy Wisdom, where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. I look for the answer to the question, what is the role of stress in the creative process? I also look for definitions of stress and creativity because these words have different meanings to the people who use them. Today I interviewed Chris Saad, a serial entrepreneur from Australia uh, who spent time as the head of developer developer relations platform at Uber. Uh, I first reached out to Chris because he posted on Facebook about having an anxiety attack uh, and was very specific about his own issues with anxiety and was honest and open about it, which is quite rare. So I thought he would make a great guest to speak about stress, uh, anxiety, and creativity. Interestingly enough, he had a different view on anxiety and stress. He doesn't believe that stress and anxiety are the same thing. Uh, I'll let him talk more about what he found out and what he believes stress is, what he believes anxiety is. Uh, He has a lot of wisdom to share. Um, Chris worked for Uber, and and that is a highly stressful environment. Uh, So I think he has a lot of valuable wisdom that I think you would enjoy hearing. If you do like it, uh, please go ahead and find us on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. Uh, You can find us by searching for Crazy Wisdom. Uh, Thanks. Have a great day. Uh, I'm Chris Saad, as you said. I'm uh, a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've been building companies, products, ecosystems, brands uh, for the better part of 20 years. Um, Some of that was done in Australia, but a lot of it was really done in Silicon Valley uh, where I've co-founded a series of companies. And, um, but more recently I was the head of product for the Uber developer platform uh, where I ran the Uber developers brand and um, product team and, and uh, advocacy team. And uh, yeah, super passionate about technology, politics, uh, pop culture, um, and, and, and really everything. I'm curious about everything. So that's what brings me here. Nice.
Uh, and just before we, we started recording, you were talking about, uh, well, we originally connected because you posted on Facebook being open and honest about an anxiety attack you had. Uh, and just before recording, you started to talk about how uh, anxiety uh, is something different than stress. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I'm not a doctor and I kind of haven't, you know, studied the definitions that are that are official. But, um, you know, you were telling me that the, the podcast is really about stress and creativity. Um, and I was, uh, I'm just kind of highlighting that my post in particular was about anxiety, panic attacks, um, and mental health in that, in, in, in that regard. Mm -hmm. And in, in my mind, stress and anxiety are quite different. You know, I think people can get very stressed at work. There's a lot of pressure on them. There's deadlines, there's timelines, there's a lot of balls in the air and you might feel a kind of you know, heaviness in your head, you might feel a sense of um, maybe some chest pain, uh, you know, uh, at night, uh, you might, you know, uh, really feel tired and exhausted. Um, and just a lot of pressure to get something done. And, and that tends to be something that's a little bit more sustained and a little bit more um, of a passive or background feeling. Um, I think for me, having anxiety or having an anxiety attack in particular, is a much more visceral, much more contained thing. It happens within a, a window. Uh, some people have, you know, generalized anxiety, which is this thing that's a pervasive sense of dread. But in particular, for me, the way I was thinking of anxiety and panic attacks is it's something that happens, let's say, before a, a meeting or um, when you're doing public speaking or, um, you know, before something important is happening or maybe when you're about to go to a party or what have you. Uh, and this is a, you know, incredibly visceral. Uh, people experience it in, in different ways. Uh, for me, it tends to directly go for my stomach and I end up with a lot of nausea. Um, most people, I think, I think that's quite unusual. I think most people go, they have sweaty palms, they have heart palpitations, they have, um, you know, maybe they, they can't focus, their head goes, you know, they, they, their thought process goes very, very fuzzy. Um, and so I think it manifests differently, but it's, it's more of a short, sharp, acute Thing that's directly correlated to an activity you're about to do. And uh, so that, to me, that sounds like the difference between a chronic state and, some, and an acute attack, basically. Uh, so what you're talking about, low, low level stress, always being in an organization where they're always kind of, this is always this just kind of overarching feeling of stress, uh, as opposed to a acute attack of anxiety before some sort of event or something like that. Yeah, that, that might be the case, although I have heard of the term, you know, generalized low-level anxiety, um, which, again, as I understand it, is somewhat different than stress. I think, I think people, I think everybody gets stressed from time to time with, you know, exams or uh, deliverables at work or whatever, and it's kind of this general thing. But I think some people actually have a mental or, or a chemical predisposition to general anxiety, which, in, which in, produces different kind of experiences, as far as I understand, um, where you have a little bit of a more of a third party out of body, body experience, where you have a general sense of dread, um, and, and things like that. So again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not an expert on the subject, but uh, you know, I only know what I've gone through and had to kind of uh, calibrate for in, in my career. And it, that's more about, about panic attacks and, and this kind of short, sharp, uh, visceral thing versus the the general one. And how have you learned to work with it in your life? 
Um, it's a good question. Um, you know, many little techniques and, and tactics that, um, you know, frankly, I've been, as I said in my post, a little bit embarrassed by or haven't really communicated to the general population. You know, only my very closest friends have really had any discussions with me about it. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, it's, you know, I'll go from maybe the, the least effective to the most effective. So, you know, it actually runs in my family. And, and I know a number of people who have not really dealt with it very well. They've kind of let it constrain um, the life experiences they've had or the career ambitions they've had um, or the activities they do. Uh, in some cases, you know, some friends I know have, it's kind of essentially made them stay at home and, and do very little else. And, and I actually, people, my friends, some of my friends joke that I'm a homebody and I do tend to stay at home more than, than most people. And some of that, um, some of that is a little bit around the anxiety. Mm. And so sometimes you deal with it by just simply not, you know, not dealing with it. You just stay at home and you kind of uh, are kind to yourself and give yourself permission to, to lean into your feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you want to get a bit more proactive. And so I tend to, uh, and, I, and I have had to do this my whole life. Otherwise, I would have ended up kind of just staying in the, in the neighborhood that I grew up. Grew up. Um, you have to agree and then figure out how. Commit and then figure out how. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, do you want to give this public talk or do you want to go do this job interview or do you want to go, uh, go to this party? Mm-hmm. It's kind of, you just have to say yes uh, and then figure out how later, even though you are anticipating that that'll be an anxiety-riddled mm-hmm. um, event. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the day or on the event, you know, there's a whole bunch of techniques. One is, um, you know, for me, the anxiety has become less about the social event and more about anticipating the anxiety. So it's a vicious loop. Mm. Um, and so, um, the first thing you got to do is, you know, just do some basic breathing and some basic, um, you know, just calming yourself a little bit and keeping things in perspective but I've also, the thing that you tend to get anxious about, or I tend to get anxious about is, you know, it's a little bit like claustrophobia. Like, well, if I'm nauseous or if I need to, you know, go throw up or whatever, you know, where are the exits? Uh, you know, where, keeping an eye on where the bathroom is, where can I go take a time out? And so, you know, again, this is stuff I've never really talked about in public, but, uh, you know, literally keeping an eye on, well, where is actually the bathroom in relation to where I am or where I'm going? Mm. Um, and that's something I'm always aware of. I, I jokes, I've joked once before about I've, I've seen more bathrooms than most people, I think, in public. Um, there's other techniques. For example, if I have a particularly big thing coming up, a big meeting, um, I, I will schedule other meetings before that. So it's kind of like ramping up into it. So I will do lesser things first to kind of get, you know, kind of like stretch the elastic band, if you will, um, and, or, or, you know, work that muscle of being out and doing these kind of things and then have the bigger meeting or the bigger event, um, you know, as a second or third or fourth thing in that day. Mm. Um, I should say, by the way, that this is a comfort zone based thing. Mm. So the more I've done in my life and the more I've done in my career and the more that becomes part of my comfort zone, the less I'm feeling anxious about the things at the edge of that zone. Mm. And so that's going out the day ahead of the time in the day is part of that stretching of the comfort zone. Mm. Um, and then finally, 
um, there are times when you actually just have to decide, you know what, I'm actually going to feel very sick. I might actually need to go use the restroom uh, and then just, you know, deal with that. And then, you know, that's dealt with. And then you just go do the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do the, do the activity, you know, do the, do the, go do the event or the meeting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, a whole range of those kind of things. Um, uh, and sadly on a day-to-day basis, it get, becomes more or less acute again, depending on how your comfort zone is going and how the momentum of, of the year or whatever is going. Mm-hmm. Does it ever happen in times where there is no trigger or is there always a trigger? Um, the only, it's, it's very often a trigger. There's always a, I mean, there's always a trigger of an anticipation or a thing going on right now. Um, for me personally, it's, it's also correlated around food because it's all around food and, and my stomach and nausea, um, which again, I think is a little bit unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm sure other people in the world, but I haven't had, I haven't encountered anybody who said to me, I've got these exact same symptoms you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, oftentimes after eating, um, particularly if I'm not in a place that I'm comfortable, uh, I can feel a little bit nauseous. Mm-hmm. And so that's, so you basically avoid food when you have something that you might make you nauseous. Oh, absolutely. I should have mentioned that actually in the list, but um, I've, I absolutely will not go and eat um, before there's a big activity that I need to go do. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I will typically not eat very much when I'm out of the house. Um, I'll tend to minimize that. Um, yeah, to just make sure I'm kind of in a comfortable state. And you mentioned something about breathing exercises. And I used to think that before any kind of public speaking that I should uh, do breathing exercises and focus on relaxing myself. But then I interviewed Keith Raboy, um, uh, and he talks a lot about The Upside of Stress, which is a book by Kelly McGonnell, which talks about how the way that most people view stress is as uh, something that should be avoided, but it's actually an inherent part of life uh, that we can't really avoid because it's it's there. Um, and anytime we want to do something, there's going to be there's going to be obstacles, stress, uh, things like that. And so he had, gives a really good point that you don't, shouldn't have to relax yourself, but you should actually kind of lean into the excitement and uh, reframe it as something as a as a challenge as opposed to a threat. Uh, and the science behind this says that it engages a different part of your nervous system. But different part of your sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight response, that if you look at something as a challenge as opposed to a threat, uh, it engages different parts of your body and you won't, you won't seize up, but you'll actually expand and kind of uh, confront the crisis as it comes. Yeah, well, actually, there's two things there. The first is, um, you know, we talked about techniques for getting over it or dealing with it. Um, absolutely. I, I actually only recently heard this, this notion you're talking about mm-hmm. of... Um, there was a really great diagram I saw. It's kind of like a grid of two by two. And it talked about most people having stress or having anxiety actually and panic attacks are trying to convince themselves nothing is going on and to, to be relaxed. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the thing I was watching was saying, it's actually much easier to convince yourself you're excited mm-hmm. um, than convince yourself you're, that nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. And so that actually technique has been one of the most effective things I've found Mm-hmm. Um, when, when it works, it works wonders. It doesn't always work, but, um, when it does work, it's one of the most effective techniques mm-hmm. I've found, but there's a separate thing there. I think you said, or alluded to, which is you have to lean into stress and anxiety in life. Uh, and that's just generally true. Mm-hmm. You know, opportunity at first appears like hard work, um, and growth at first appears like stress and anxiety and, mm-hmm. and difficulty. Mm-hmm. And so, I think someone with my 
situation is more incentivized to avoid stress and anxiety. But I think everybody, everybody, or, or most people tend to avoid stress uh, and the slightest bit of anxiety if they can help it, mm-hmm. even if they might not have it as acutely as, as, as someone like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just learned that I have to embrace stress and anxiety, you know, whether it's the general low level stuff that everybody feels or the acute stuff that I feel I, you just have to lean into it. Cause that means you're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, for me in particular, I used to, I, I was getting, uh, and I don't have a particular, uh, panic anxiety attack. Uh, I've had like just little brief hints of it over the last year, which has been new to me. I, mine is kind of like a low level generalized anxiety. Uh, but anytime that I contemplate uh, like a public speaking and even this podcast, I've thought, uh, I've, it's kind of shown up. And I was wondering for you, is it like when you're preparing for this podcast or thinking about it, did it show up at all? Or is it only something that shows up in terms of like a big meeting with a big uh, uh, or a big presentation? Well, it, as I said, it's, it's about comfort zones. So when I was very young, well, when I was younger, um, I would have panic attacks about going to school, to primary school, to high school. Um, and, and when I got a little older, I was running my own business I was having panic attacks and feeling nausea around speaking with clients on the phone. Mm. Um, so most of my meetings and most of my conversations with clients are over the phone. And even that was causing me all sorts of uh, anxiety. Mm. Um, and the older I got, you know, I got better at that. And then meetings were, it was mainly around meetings and, and anything more interesting than meetings. Uh, and then it became more about just the very biggest meetings. You know, I was having, you know, very senior executive meetings that, you know, at, at the companies I was working at. And, and I, it was kind of hitting me there and only there, not in the day-to-day meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually also, interestingly, used to do a radio show. I used to do a live mm-hmm. radio show in, on local radio. Mm-hmm. And I would literally have a massive panic attack before every show. And re- right, basically, I'd be having a panic, a- a panic attack during the intro. Um, mm-hmm. So I would be talking you know, giving the intro and, you know, you know, like a radio announcer does, you know, trying to be very smooth and, and, and clean having, while having a panic attack. Mm. Um, and then they would go into the opening music and I would probably, you know, go to the bathroom or something and just take a to chill out a bit and then come back. And I would t- generally be much better for the rest of the show. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that's live radio, right? And, and so, yeah, for this podcast um, and, and lately for podcasts and little webinars, I've been relatively good. You know, there's a, there's a little, tiny little bit of anxiety in there at the beginning, but um, it's much, much better than, it, you know, than when I was younger. Wow. And have you, how much have you gone into uh, both uh, contemporary uh, traditional medicine, alternative medicine, medication, therapy, how much have you had these things helped, helped you? I would say I've given, and you know, full credit to my mother who has kind of ridden this wave, <laughs> this ridden this uh, adventure with me all the way, you know, and been uh, deeply uh, in- involved and emotionally kind of <laughs> uh, entangled in, in the experience. Um, but uh, you know, she took me to every doctor, both credible and not credible, uh, mm. when I was young. Mm. Um, you know, at, the, at, the, at that time, we didn't really know what it was. It was just this weird thing that was happening to me. And there wasn't any language around anxiety and panic attacks. Um, and it just, just nobody understood what it was. Um, and so, 
the I went to you know we I had all sorts of endoscopies and they were looking at her, you know um, ulcers and they were looking at whatever. Um, so I did all that. I they, I got some. They thought it was a reflux, acid reflux, and all this other stuff. So I took you know um, drugs around reflux and things, and then you know started taking drugs when I was a bit older. Um, you know, starting in the in the workforce, I, I, at some point I started taking these SRI inhibitors, which are you know, either they're used for both depression and for anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they have a whole bunch of side effects. They make you sleepy and fuzzy and, you know, you, you know all this kind of stuff. So I took that for a couple of years, but whatever. The, I try, Everything, I tried even chiropractic mm-hmm. stuff. I tried um, uh, acupuncture, tr- you know, got a few weird Chinese teas, which I never really dr- ended up drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I would describe myself as having, having tried everything but never really gone deeply on anything. Um, and, and I would say that none of it has really had any effect, but you know, some might argue I haven't really given it enough of, a, of an effort. Um, and well, so, it, yeah. sounds like, it sounds like exposure therapy, and I'm not saying that you're doing this formally, but it sounds like exposure therapy repeatedly exposing yourself to these things has kind of seems like it's helped the most from what I'm hearing. Yeah. I think the things that have helped the most is a being, uh, being forgiving on myself, just kind of like understanding this is part of life. Other people are afflicted with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I was joking once with my brother, I said, you know, it could be worse. We could be afflicted with low IQ. <laughs> um, uh, and so, so, you know, everyone's afflicted, afflicted with something. Um, and so just a, just, just, being okay with it is number one. Number two is um, being okay with the panic attack when it's happening and not kind of being recriminating of yourself or being kind of having this negative narrative in your head and maybe even being okay with having to go use the restroom. Mm -hmm. Um, That actually has been very helpful because when you accept that you may just need to go do that, it becomes a little less of an event. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I don't know what letter I'm up to see, I think. Uh, it's, you know, definitely exposure therapy. Just keep doing it and those things start to become part of your comfort zone. Uh, and I think, D, the, this trick of treating it as excitement instead of anxiety, I think, has also been super helpful. But uh, short of that, you know, the SRI uptake inhibitor has definitely helped, but just with, they, have a com- they come with a lot of cost. Uh, and so, um, you know, I think if you cannot handle it, then definitely worth trying. I would not be you know, I wouldn't be down on someone for taking them. You know, if you have a broken leg, you take, you know, you have a splint. And if you have some broken brain chemistry, then you, you take some drugs and that should be okay. But uh, just for me, it, it, it's not something I want to do long-term. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like to get into kind of like your time at Uber and also your time starting companies uh, and maybe the stress or the anxiety that showed up uh, in those situations. Was, was Uber a particularly stressful place or did you really, was it a, was it a, uh, what was the level of anxiety working for Uber? Um, Uber was, I mean, again, there was those two separate things. So I think Uber was stressful mm-hmm. in that there's a lot of, you know, AAA players who expect a lot from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you definitely wanted to bring your A game to every meeting and every conversation every day. Um, you know, the the speed at which you're going, the paranoia about competition, the the, the, the drinking the Kool-Aid and, and really wanting to make a difference mm-hmm. and frankly trying to keep up with the performance <laughs> reviews, yeah. uh, which were really, you know, uh, brutal. They were, you know, the, the, the bar was very high. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that was all stressful and the work was stressful and I was in a particularly politically charged area of the company, the kind of work we were doing, a lot of stakeholders had a lot of points of view on it and I, I had a very strong point of view on it. So there was a lot of very stressful and um, debates and discussions and meetings and things. So yeah, that was all, you know, stress. I, I think I really actually appreciated um, the CEO, Travis's perspective on it. People would always ask about the red line. They would always ask about stress uh, and how to make sure that you don't burn out. And his answer, I really appreciated. I don't think a lot of people understood it very well and some people didn't implement it very well. But his answer was a very entrepreneurial answer, which is, you know, he thinks of himself as like a math professor. If a math professor had no math problems, then the math professor would be pretty bored. Mm. And so as startup operators and and entrepreneurs, if we didn't have startup problems, we would be pretty bored, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like our job is to check out, you know, figure out what the most important problems of the day are and and tackle them. Mm -hmm. And it's your perspective that decides to make those things stressful or just make them part of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of the way you frame it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he would always say, you know, go figure out your red line and everyone's red line is somewhere else. This is different. And then back off it. Just Mm -hmm. back off your own red line and no one can tell you where your red line is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I personally, as as an entrepreneur, appreciated that. I think people who are more used to big companies where they, they're told when to have a vacation, um, you know, didn't quite understand how to implement that sometimes. That's when the culture got out of whack. Mm-hmm. But um, as it relates to anxiety and panic attacks, you know, there were definitely some meetings with some great, you know, senior executives who you wanted to deliver for, or you wanted to be able to communicate your ideas. And, you know, I was, I in particular was fighting for some particularly controversial things. Um, and so, yeah, they were extremely panic-inducing. Um, uh, some of the most, you know, heightened experiences I've had in my life. And looking back on it, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. But uh, it was definitely, definitely a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. All right. Have you thought about starting your own company at a, uh, recently? Again? Well, well, yeah, I've started a, a number of companies. Um, I t- more recently. You know, no, not really. I mean, I've, I've flirted with the idea. I've, I've been, you know, thinking about what it would be and, you know, in what field and what problem I want to solve. Um, I have a few ideas around that I think of as less, as bi- less of big commercial um, ventures and more Wikipedia-style kind of social good things that just need to exist in the world, but I'm, I'm not sure they would be a billion-dollar unicorn, right? Mm. Um, and so I've been dabbling with that. My brother and I have been playing with some prototypes, but I'm really enjoying the work I'm doing now, which is helping founders uh, avoid the mistakes I've made in my career and, and fast forward to the right answers as quickly as possible um, by kind of joining them as part-time strategic um, employee or basically, you know, I call it strategic advisory, but it's much more like a strategic employee, part-time strategic employee. Uh-huh. What's the coolest company you've worked with if you can talk about it recently? Um, I don't know if I can talk too much about specifics, but, you know, I've been working with everything from large multinationals who really want to think about how to catch up and keep up with like an Amazon Mm. web services strategy. Now, how, how do they become, how do they go from bricks and mortar retail to, uh, cutting edge, you know, cloud services and and a digital strategy, Mm -hmm. um, all the way down to little bootstrapped companies that are trying to, uh, you know, disrupt, 
um, the way games are distributed. You know, uh, Steam has a monopoly on game distribution on PC. Mm. And, um, you know, that I'm working with a company now that, that thinks through a combination of blockchain and, and you know, better, better product development, they could at least have a stab at dislodging Steam's monopoly, which is, you know, pretty ambitious. And so, yeah, and everything in between. It's been pretty fun. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So we got about five minutes left, and I generally ask this of anybody, if there's something uh, recently that you've come across, whether it's an article, a book, or a technique that you've learned that's been the most helpful in the last 30 days, is there anything you can help other people uh, kind of when they confront anxiety or stress uh, in the creative process? Is there anything that you've recently come across that can help people? Yeah, I think, I don't, I don't know that I've come across anything recently but definitely that list that I rattled off was, was the thing that definitively changed my relationship to it all, which is, you know, be forgiving of yourself and, and be kind to yourself and don't have that negative narrative. Um, you know, embrace it as part of life um, and, in, and lean into it because that's, uh, that's the only place growth is and success is. And yeah, and, and reframe it as excitement and reframe it as... as just part of the experience of life. And those are the only things that have really worked for me. Um, and, you know, more recently I've been more vocal about it um, only because I really thought I was weird and, and alone. And I think that didn't help. Um, and so if other people can hear that it's some version of what they're experiencing is being experienced by others, um, maybe that'll just make them feel a little bit better and um, it'll be a little bit easier to deal with. What are you most excited about over the next month? Um, I'm actually looking to get a second uh, car. I'm more of a, I've only got a two-seater right now, so I'm looking to get a you know, five-seater or, or six, seven-seater um, to take the family on uh, some, some road trips. And when I say family, I mean like brothers and fathers and cousins and, uh, and girlfriends. You know, just take them on some, some staycations around uh, Queensland and New South Wales here in Australia. Uh, spend some quality time. Very cool. And how can people find you uh, to uh, connect with you or ask you more about what's going on? Uh, yeah, you can find my website, uh, chrissaad.com. So C-H-R-I-S-S-A-A-D.com. Uh, and I, that my name is really the, the thing to find me on on all the social media. So Facebook slash Chrissaad, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and my email is me at chrissaad.com. So I'm pretty Googleable and, and discoverable. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and, and sharing uh, what are very personal things for you. Yeah, no worries. No worries at all. Thanks for asking and, uh, and spreading the word about this kind of for stuff. Sure.